1: up and operational 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and your customers expect that you're constantly
0: watching their back, especially on nights and weekends. Right now, it feels like major security breaches are happening every day, and your company could be next regardless of size. This is a major concern not only for businesses, but for the stakeholders who put their trust in them.
1: We've been global operating around the clock for quite some time now in general, because attacks don't stop either. Our customers are getting attacked seven days a week around the clock.
0: Being a public company can be hard. Small missteps can have outsized consequences. I'm Tom Ryan, founder and CEO of ICR, and over the last 20 years, we've helped thousands of companies understand and navigate the stock market and the media. We'll demystify these and other increasingly complex stakeholder groups so you can focus on what you do best, building your company, and unlocking your true potential. This is Welcome to the Arena. As thread volume and complexity grows, cyber attacks are quickly becoming one of the biggest issues facing companies today. Cyber criminals are getting bolder and cyber risks are always evolving. To protect your organization, you need a solution that evolves alongside the threat. Someone who's been doing this critically important work is world-renowned thought leader on cybersecurity and founder and CEO of XeroFox, James Foster. Foster has published over a dozen books, hold several patents, and has spoken on Capitol Hill about the increase in international cyber threats. Prior to founding XeroFox in 2013, Foster founded cybersecurity company CyFent, which he grew to almost 100 employees and 1,000 customers before it was acquired by AcuVant in 2010. He's also worked with several high-growth cybersecurity organizations during his career and is an active advisor for the United States Department of Defense. Let's enter the arena with James Foster.
1: External cybersecurity is everything beyond your traditional firewall. Uh, Internal cybersecurity has been around for decades. I started my career off on the internal side of the house. That's really uh, technology and services uh, protecting devices. There's great companies out there that do that. Next generation endpoint security companies doing that. CrowdStrike and Sentinel One both come to mind for great internal cybersecurity companies. And they make sure your laptops, your servers, your mobile devices, they're all locked down, protected, and safe. There's another category of cybersecurity companies called perimeter security or edge security companies. These guys are firewalls, Uh, whether they're next-generation firewalls in the cloud or actual appliances that you're installing around networks and office spaces around the world. These organizations separate the inside from the outside, and they're important. They try to keep the bad out. ZeroFox focuses on everything beyond that traditional firewall, where we're looking for the things that could be targeting or damaging your business beyond the firewall, off of your devices, off of your network, and uh, making sure that you know what they are, and we can help you
0: focus on eradicating those risks to the business. Yeah, maybe give the audience a, a little sense of like, the scale of the business, because I was really surprised at how big you are already and what kind of global reach you have. We've
1: been at this for quite some time now. Uh, I like to say we are a startup that's been around for about a decade, and uh, we're looking forward to going public as a milestone. It's not an exit for us. This is just another milestone on our journey. You know, we've got thousands of customers in over 50 countries already. We've got over uh, 700 employees in the combined organization. I mean, we, we are certainly at a scale that's relatively unique in the cybersecurity space. The great story I heard recently was, there's roughly 1,600 cybersecurity companies around the world today. And I think about those cybersecurity uh, individuals standing on a beach looking at the surfers and the waves. And there's less than two dozen people in the public markets and cybersecurity surfing those waves. We are looking forward to joining those surfers on the waves, riding this turbulent market that we're at right now, and uh, you know achieving another significant milestone on our journey here to really protect every company facing external cybersecurity threats. Ransomware is the real notable uh, attack that everybody keeps talking about, but a ransomware attack, by definition, is somebody outside your organization has targeted your organization, has found a way in, compromised it, and is now holding you up for ransom. Those are the types of things that keep CISOs up these days, and those are the types of things that we help organizations with.
0: It just seems like a constant, never-ending barrage. And as I hear you talking— There's certainly like a massive secular trend behind the business. As every business shifts to digital, it just seems like they're more and more vulnerable. Is that a good way to think about kind of the market for what you do?
1: It is. COVID was really an accelerant for us. Everybody left their office. Everybody left the comfort of the network security that was put in place over the last 20 years. They left their secure office buildings that had perimeters and appliances and and these devices and desktops that were hardened down at your office for the last 20 years and said, okay, now you've got to work remotely. And so the entire world accelerated their digital transformation plans. Everybody was working remotely, everybody was hybrid. This adoption will be around for a long time. I don't think it'll go back anytime soon to where everybody's in office. And it's created this entire expanded public attack surface because companies have really adopted 10 years of technology, digital technology, in just the last two or three years. And uh, it's left them incredibly vulnerable. We've seen the number of breaches go through the roof, and the number of attacks of organizations go through the roof because they've got all these new investments that they had to jam in really quickly, and security in general was an afterthought. You know, productivity was the goal out of the gate, and uh, we, we've seen that time and time again over the security industry the last two decades. And um,
0: companies are really paying for it now, unfortunately. It seems like the market for external cybersecurity is not as mature as that internal model, which is kind of what you're talking about. What is the market opportunity for external cybersecurity, which is where you guys shine? Tom, that's exactly right. It is less mature than internal. I mean, the the oldest
1: markets in cybersecurity in general, there's a few of them, is device security, right? Old-school antivirus has been around a long time, more than a couple decades. Firewalls have been around a long time, more than a couple decades. And really, the, the external cybersecurity market that we live and breathe in right now is relatively new to the game. These digital platforms that every business is uh, thriving on these days, that's allowing us to collaborate with our employees, collaborate with our customers and prospects, You know, identify leads, sell services and products. They're relatively new, and on-platform collaboration is relatively new. I mean, shoot, if you, if you go back even five years, the word collaboration didn't mean what it did today. Slack and Box and Dropbox really kind of drove that collaboration uh, mindset in enterprise organizations. And that collaboration really changed the entire industry to where owning communication, Owning the eyeballs of a consumer and keeping them on your platform is the most important thing. And so before, security teams really needed to lock down the web and lock down email. But now they need to make sure they understand every single platforms their employees are active on and the security risks that that get brought into those organizations because of that. And um, it's leaving a lot of doors open and a lot of windows open to their environment, and that's one of the reasons that you've seen breaches
0: just go through the roof. What is the breach rate for companies or the industry today, like versus five years ago and then ten years ago? It's ha- it must be exploding. It is
1: exploding. I mean, we we published a report earlier this year at ZeroFox that that said that over fifty percent of the companies that were out there got attacked and uh, and some sort of compromised last year. I mean that. That's just staggering. And so it's, it's no longer a question of, will you be attacked or will that be successful? It's really just a time of when and what will the impact be. And what we've seen here is an additional shift in regulation where the SEC is adopting new rules around notification of breaches, the timing that's required, and the level of notification. And so for the first time ever, companies that are now getting targeted in breach, public companies they're going to have to report that. They're going to have to report it really quickly with some accuracy. And I think the market will take notice if you make a mistake on those notifications. So if you don't have the right capabilities to understand the scope of the breach quickly, what you're going to have to do is then subsequently disclose that your initial notification to the SEC was wrong and it was bigger than you thought. And the only thing worse than, than having a breach is having a breach that's bigger than you thought and then having to retell the world over and over again, sorry, it's even bigger. Sorry, it's even
0: bigger. I'm cringing just hearing about it. Imagine being a CEO and, and having to to talk about that. It's painful enough to, to handle it uh, communications-wise, let alone the logistics and execution of handling a breach. But one thing I wanted to ask you, Foster, is being in 50 countries, while there are a lot of companies that focus on cybersecurity, you're doing it at scale. How does that help the average customer that you have?
1: It's been a competitive advantage of ours for quite some time. We took a global outlook on on the business, our customer opportunity, and then also the problem set that we're addressing. We've got employees around the world. We've got major security operations centers in multiple countries around the world. Running a 24-7 shop is something that our customers have come to expect. Um, it's not a nice-to-have. It's a must-have. You have to be up and operational 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Security doesn't sleep, and your customers expect that you're constantly watching their back, especially on nights and weekends. And so we, we've been global operating around the clock for quite some time now, in general, because attacks don't stop either. And so we've got the stats to back up that uh, our customers are getting attacked seven days a week around the clock. Uh, Where I think this gives us a competitive advantage is the fact that we are embracing our global strength and size and scale. And so, you know, being able to serve your customers in region and theater, understanding cultural intricacies and nuances, given that you've got a global employee base is very important. I think a lot of American tech companies, Think that they've got tech that scales because they've got the AWS bills to prove it, and they 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 miss the small nuances of uh, working with customers and the way they want to be treated and worked with, and uh, something that we are very prideful of is that we can help our customers in region and theater around the world. It's not cheap to get global either. We've spent
0: a tremendous amount of money investing in our global workforce. It makes total sense. Shifting gears a little bit, tell me about the go public transaction with LNF and what that does for you. I know you referenced it as a part of the journey. I always uh, say that most people around a company going public, all the advisors, it's kind of like the finish line for them. But you know what? Now you're a public company. It's a really long journey. It's the start of a marathon. Why was LNF such a good fit? Tom, how I love that question because a lot of people get it wrong. They think that
1: going public, you're like, fantastic, you made it. Congratulations, you're done. We don't view that at all. No. I mean, this is the start of the next leg of marathon. I like to think about it as an Ironman. You may be finishing one part of that race, to where the first 26 miles is behind you, but you realize that you've got 3 quarters left. And so this is a milestone for us. This is a financing. Uh, we thought there was a really interesting opportunity given our size and scale and given the size of the problem we're addressing in this market, that the capital markets and the, the, the capital that you could get through those capital markets made a lot of sense. The board was very supportive. And our transaction here is somewhat unique. We are talking about going public in a, in a really difficult, volatile market that we haven't seen in quite some time. Our investors and our board of directors are very supportive of this transaction. They're continuing to roll into this vehicle. And so we, we look at this as having the opportunity to do something that very few people are trying to do right now so and like i would just say on the process it takes longer than anybody would think i mean to, to get public for all the right reasons you have to do a lot of diligence we've got great advisors and uh, it takes a while to do it the right way which we are
0: managing a go public transaction while executing on day-to-day operations is a huge undertaking But for ZeroFox, the added wrinkle was the acquisition of IDX during the same period, a leading digital privacy protection and data breach response services company. I asked Foster how he expects to see that acquisition benefit ZeroFox and all its stakeholders over the long run.
1: We have become an acquisitive platform. IDX is a very strategic partner of ours. They've been a partner for ours for several years. There's a lot of trust built with the organization. You know, when we look at target acquisition companies. The bar is set incredibly high. We look for passionate talent. Passionate human talent will be the longest term competitive advantage and your highest ROI for any organization, and it certainly is at Xerofox. And so we came together last year now and, and said, wow, think of the things we could do together, really owning the end-to-end external cybersecurity market space if we were to put the two organizations together. Your CEO, Tom Kelly, and I sat down and strategized how we would accomplish this. I think we've uh, we've got the right plan in place, and now we're just going through the final processes here to, to get out and put the two organizations together and allow us to offer a broader value proposition to our customers. Everything from pre-breach uh, intelligence and protection through breaches that will happen, and then the, the required responses thereafter. And that's what ZeroFox and IDX will be able to do together
0: that we can't do individually. Yeah. So obviously you're judging threats with AI and, you know, analysts and dark web access and breach response and all kinds of things. You know, cybersecurity was about playing defense for a while. It feels to me like you're almost putting companies on offense with the whole thing. Is that the right way to think about it?
1: I mean, I talk about it's the the time for sitting around and accepting being target practice is over when you work with ZeroFox. I mean, it is incredibly frustrating when I get these calls from prospects and the strategies and the recommendations they're getting is, oh, bolster your firewall, add this next layer of defense. And like, there is no other modern... Warfare strategy that talks about just bolstering only your defense while you're accepting the fact that you're going to get attacked over and over. And, and that strategy is flawed in part because you're actually providing an AB strategy for the attacker, as they may send 10,000 things at you. And if there is no strategy to rise the cost of that adversary, to increase the cost of that attack, then there is no disincentive for them to continue to uh, you know, to change tactics. And so we, we see some organizations that first come to Xerofox, and they're getting hit at rates that would just blow your mind. I mean, hundreds of thousands of attacks per week. And part of our job is to reduce that volume, to rise that cost to the adversary, to help those organizations fight back, to dismantle the infrastructure that's attacking them. And as we do that, we find that they become much more secure Because uh, attacks aren't free. It is costly to stand up an infrastructure to attack a company or maybe even a particular cohort of companies. And uh, we work tirelessly for our organizations, uh, making sure that they get attacked less, and then those attacks are less successful. A lot of this industry just focuses on, well, we'll make sure that no attack ever gets through. But they don't focus on the point of how do you stop the attacks, not just stop them from being successful. We look at the whole attack life cycle
0: and attack every inch of it. Maybe a question for investors or potential investors down the road. When, when you engage with a company, what, what's the economic model of your business?
1: We're an enterprise SaaS company. We're about as boring as it gets when you think about the uh, the model that we've created. We followed the Salesforce model, like probably most companies out there at this point. Now we're in the cloud offer that's up and running twenty four seven VR platform. We've built uh, a lot of really deep artificial intelligence technology to help do our analytics at scale for our customers. And uh, in general, we we uh, bill.
0: Annually upfront in advance and uh, charge monthly. It's a recurring revenue model. You know, you describe it as boring, but it, it makes it a rock solid business. Very high recurring revenue, and when you're a profitable business, you can do better by your clients, innovate, all of that stuff. We are very fortunate to have great predictability. I mean,
1: more than ninety percent of our revenue is recurring in nature, and that allows us to have great insight, predictability, and planning on how we want to invest in the future. I mean, that's right. We, we don't sell any hardware, and we're not a perpetual software shop. So, yeah, it's all recurring SaaS subscription revenue.
0: Another big concern in the market with everything that's happening uh, in the world is some companies are cut off to capital. You're pursuing a transaction that's going to help your balance sheet. Pro forma for going public um, with LNF. Uh, what what does the balance sheet look like? And are you fully funded to execute on your plan for the next few years? We will be. We've raised $170 million
1: of committed capital in our pipe. And then on top of that's the trust. And our trust was originally $175 million. In general, both of those processes were oversubscribed. And the economics have been locked in since December. So I think that gives us uh, great confidence that we'll have growth capital for quite some time to fuel our innovation and our organic growth and uh, continue to be acquisitive when we see something uh, very strategic and incrementally positive
0: to the business. You know, you can't underestimate that in this market. I think uh, a lot of High growth tech companies are being taken out to the woodshed because, you know, massively high valuations and maybe they're cut off for capital. So to be able to get a financing like this done at the beginning of your journey is just absolutely huge for your shareholders. One question I know you're going to love maybe you could talk a little bit about your clients. It seems to me you've got the bluest of the blue chip, great companies, multinationals all over the world. Can you comment on your client base?
1: I mean, we've got several of the Fortune 10 we've got you know hundreds of customers in the global 2000 space we are growing our six figure customer base at a 50% kager the last 3 years and so our big customers are getting bigger And in cybersecurity, it's really a proof point for a couple things when your big customers are getting bigger. It's recognition of the platform and its maturation, so I'm very proud about what our team's been able to accomplish over the last few years and the recognition of our ASP growing into an enterprise play. It's also recognition, Tom, of the problem that we're solving. When companies spend more on your particular solution set in cybersecurity, that gives credence to the problem and the importance it has for that organization. So it is something that we track. We track it meaningfully, and our rise in ASP over the last few years continues to show that this is a very important problem for enterprise organizations, and they're investing in their programs at an accelerating rate. The external cybersecurity problem is not going away anytime soon. It's the thing that continues to keep those CISOs up at night. They're not worried about insider threats like they were 10 years ago. They're worried about somebody that finds that one weak link in their external armor gets in and starts compromising their network. And our job is to help make
0: sure that day never happens. Yeah, this has to be really gratifying because you're actually doing something incredibly important. You know? What do you think the greatest opportunity is for expansion, particularly like in vertical markets? So,
1: unfortunately, when bad things happen, it's typically good for our business. And there's not a major market that we haven't tapped into at this point with major customers. Every company, regardless of size or location around the world, they're all facing external cybersecurity threats. If you've got a social media business page, if you email your customers, you can be attacked and XeroFox can help. And that means we've got millions of potential customers out there to go
0: get over the next few years. Yeah, like like every single business is a potential customer, like every company in the world, which is just incredible. Just something that is top of mind right now is the the Russian invasion of Ukraine. In terms of cybersecurity, from your perspective, what is happening there? What are you seeing? And is that changing things for you and and ZeroFox? What are you seeing with that? The Ukraine-Russia war is going
1: to be one of these unfortunate, times that we remember 10 and 20 years from now and talk about how warfare, symmetrical and asymmetrical warfare was changed. When Russia started to invade, and even before invading Ukraine, they were conducting massive reconnaissance operations in the cyber field to understand uh, the types of things that they needed to attack. And then the cyber war attacks started even before the land kinetic warfare uh, was kicked off. And and what happened here is Ukraine realized that they were outmatched in uh, sophistication and technology resources to defend themselves. They went online through social media platforms in particular telegram the director of digital transformation and technology went out asking for help and published a wish list to the world and said this is the way that we could use defensive support and here's also things that you could do to help us attack and so think of that as crowdsourcing cyber warfare i mean it's militias that you could hire from you know Uh, Hundreds of years ago now being brought into modern warfare on the cyber front. And from what we've seen, it looks like tens of thousands of people engaged in some of these um, crowdsource initiatives is what we've best thing that we've seen so far. And um, we think that will change warfare for quite some time. When you've got people all around the world joining in to fight and help defend and fight and help attack, uh, it makes it very, very difficult to to, uh, defend those attacks at scale as well. And the, the challenge is everybody is a target now. And I'll give you a couple examples that are very real. So we've seen customers get attacked for leaving Russia, right? They say that they're pulling out all their businesses and assets from Russia and they're leaving. And so all of a sudden the risk goes to the roof and Russia sympathist groups and kind of their decentralized cyber gangs start attacking those organizations. So you're, you're not safe if you leave. We've seen the exact opposite also happen. And so if you decide to stay in Russia and continue to operate, you've got Ukrainian sympathist groups that are out there now attacking you. And so it's a tough world to navigate if you're a CEO and you have had business in Russia, because if you've ever done business there, you have no safe space. You stay, you'll get attacked. You leave, you're going to get attacked.
0: What I'm hearing from that is every company, big or small, has to allocate capital to, you know, to this issue. It's like you said earlier it's a must-have it's not a nice to have right
1: that's right i think the security industry has been on defense for way too long helping people make sure that not a single attack ever gets through and again i think the the challenge with that is you have to rely and expect perfection and what we've seen is that's that's uh not a realistic stance and it's not a realistic strategy given where we are today and so we We help our customers go back on offense, like I said, let's reduce the number of total attacks that are coming after you and uh, the job gets easier.
0: External cybersecurity is an issue which threatens the core of a company's reputation, brand, and ultimately the connection with their customers. With attacks surging, it's prudent for companies to be considering Foster's suggestion to not only think defensively, but also begin being proactive about reducing the number of attacks headed in their direction. At Welcome to the Arena, we're working really hard to bring you exciting guests and great content. If you found this episode insightful, subscribe to the show on your podcast app and leave us a five-star rating. The more the show grows, the more interesting voices we can have on the podcast, and in turn, that should demystify a lot of the stakeholders around public companies and soon-to-be public companies. Thanks for listening. Thanks again to Foster for joining me on the podcast today. He and his team at Zero Fox are just at the beginning of their journey as a public company. But with a great value proposition, high recurring revenue, and a significant TAM, total addressable market, they seem to be positioned for success. It'll be really exciting to watch their growth. This is Tom Ryan. We'll see you next time back in the arena.